What is up my podcast listeners and my YouTube subscribers and all my other followers over social media. Um, this is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and I am bringing back another great episode about hip mobility. Um, so I've done, I believe, one episode about hip mobility and what you can do. And, you know, the hip overall is a complex joint. It can move in so many different directions. So like the, you know, the three exercises I gave before just kind of scratches the surface on what the hip is, you know, capable of. And, you know, sometimes you need to indirectly um, attack the hip in order to, you know, get it to move the way you want. Um, a couple things before we move into um, you know the exercises and things like that. Um, this is actually what's interesting. This is the first time I haven't like rambled about random shit before starting an episode. Anyway, um, those who are listening, hundred percent, you should probably watch this episode um, on video through my YouTube channel. So hit the show notes and watch it. Because uh, it's going to be very interactive in a sense that I'm going to be demonstrating, explaining, and things like that. Um, the hip. If you have um, painful hips right now, um, some of these exercises might not be good for you. Um, if your hip has been bothering you for a long time, you should probably go see a physio, chiro, massage therapist, somebody who can manually do something to kind of open up the opportunity for exercise. I'm not saying that, you know, exercise in itself is not gonna help. It will, but to a certain point. But this is what usually happens is when in, in a clinic setting, when I am uh, with a patient, um, you know, sometimes they will be in that, you know, flared up state or their hip has been always painful for so long and no matter what exercise I give them there's always going to be some sort of pain and you have to dial it back so much to make it really specific for them sometimes that first line of defense is okay okay let's get that you know inflammation stage down because no matter how many exercises I layer on top it might not be the best approach but but this is where you know everything's individual you know I've worked with patients where everything hurts but then we find you know, a different way of doing a hip mobility exercise that's actually gonna work for them. So that being said, we can kind of move on. Say for example, you don't have an acute pain um, or chronic pain and you're basically like at that point where you're like, fuck, my hips are tight. I need to fucking move them, do something to have more hip mobility. Um, and they only hurt if I you know, squat too low, or if I do a lunge, my also my knee hurts for some reason, like that kind of stuff, we can work around. So anyway, um, we're going to look at hip flexion. So hip flexion, if you can remember, is anytime I move back, anytime I say take my right leg and drive my knee up, I'm flexing my hip. And that is hip flexion. Um, a lot of times when I see um, a limit or a restriction in hip flexion, other things tend to compensate. Um, and usually what happens when people don't have adequate hip flexion, um, the low back, especially the lumbar spine, 
kind of make up for it. And this is the thing about low back pain too. Um, probably 90% of the case um, when people have low back pain or issues, it stems down from, you know, um, a restriction in hip mobility. Because if you look at the um, design of our hips, they're meant to be a mobile joint. If you look at the lumbar spine, it's designed to be a stable joint. And if you look at how much, you know, your lumbar spine can actually rotate to the right, it's 13 degrees. So now imagine your hips that don't move at all um, now is asking your lumbar spine to do all the work when you're only working with 13 degrees. There's going to be a lot of compression and shear forces and rotational forces on that spine. Um, and then again, you know, my podcast is called Cut the Shit, Get Fit, but you can't get fit if you don't have fully functioning joints, right? And I've said this so many times on my podcast, like, you know, you're excited to get started on your fitness journey and you start going to the gym, but then like your hip hurts, your fucking elbow hurts, and then you have to take some time off and then you come back to the gym and then you re-injure it or flare it up again and then you're like, fuck, it hurts, I have to take more time off. And you know, it's that vicious cycle. And then a lot of people's motivations go down. So if it's something where if we can fix, in quotations, um, you know, how your joints function to allow you to do more days in the gym will then get you out of pain and into the gym more consistently and, you know, over a year span. Like if you took a whole year and say you have that weird elbow thing that flares up once in a while and out of that year you're missing, say, three months worth of training because you have to take time off, you're not getting it looked at, you're not doing the right rehab, you're not doing the right exercises meant for you, then that's three months lost where you could have, I don't know, dropped a pound, three pounds, five pounds, who knows, right? So this is why I'm a huge advocate on, let's create a really good foundation, continue working on all the like basics that we really need um, when it comes to being a human being and moving the way we should and allowing us to have uh, more opportunities opportunities did I say that incorrectly opportunities um, in the gym to move our bodies but um, anyway we're gonna talk about um, hip flexion so if you did an audit of the general population we sit way too fucking much and we're stuck in hip flexion all the fucking time so then our hip flexors become super tight and when we do hip flexion stuff in the gym outside everyday life whatever it is um those hips kind of get cranked on over and over and over again and low back tends to hurt or you know pinching feelings in the hip socket things like that so what is my first kind of um plan of attack so I, like, there's a different, there's a couple of ways I'm going to get into this. So the first thing I'm going to look at is um, your diaphragm. So this is where my passion for anatomy comes in, is that the moment you understand anatomy is when you can devise, um, you know, a pretty solid plan in order to get someone to move better or finding a, you know, different way of doing things. So 
If you look at your hip flexor, your psoas major, it literally, you know, goes from the front of your hip where like the big bony area is all the way. And I'm actually going to move the camera so you can see what I mean. Um, so hip flexor, I'm pointing to my right hip. It goes here and where it ends is right about here. So look at this giant ass muscle that connects literally right at the bottom of like where your rib cage is and where your hip is. So we have this big strand of muscle that we need to kind of like attack. And how we do this, if you look at anatomy, your diaphragm kind of sits right over here, right? Right around where my shirt says get fit. Underneath is where the psoas major connects and kind of interweaves fascially and with two ligaments, or I think it was two tendons, right around like T10, T9, T11. And there's anatomical differences in everybody. So fuck, it could be T12, who cares? Anyway, diaphragm and hip flexor, where we were pointing, directly related. Huge, huge, huge influence on each two, on each of them. So now we take this general population person that sits all day like this on their desk, on their computer, all fucking day. Being in a stressful, a stressful um, environment that most of us are in when it comes to work, because um, again, I would probably estimate that 90% of the people that have a full-time job are probably not psyched to go there on Monday morning, right? We haven't probably, and this is going to be another podcast about finding like your passion and doing what you're meant to do on this planet. But anyway, you're probably in a stressful situation. And, you know, if you think about it, in stressful situations, you probably don't breathe through your diaphragm. You're probably breathing through this kind of region up in your chest. All those accessory muscles into your neck and traps become super tight and you wind up kind of here. And then you start breathing through your chest because you're a stressful individual at work and diaphragm kind of turns off. And again, if you think about that position, we're here and everything starts getting tight. So we have now fascial lines, the tendons and ligaments surrounding our diaphragm and um, what's it called, our hip flexor getting a little bit tighter. And you know, our diaphragm is a muscle. And what happens to a muscle when you don't use it? It becomes weak. It goes into something called atrophy where it loses its uh, strength and size and things like that. And now you're almost like hypertonic and all these accessory muscles in the neck and the shoulders and everyone's kind of like just jacked up like this. And you know, your nervous system puts on this like emergency break on everything. And like, no wonder people are always fucking stressed, right? So my first line of attack of improving hip flexion is focusing on this diaphragm because it's connected, right? And this kind of goes into this whole theory of bioflow where, you know, we're not just you know, one muscle does this motion, you have to focus on that muscle. Like, you know, yeah, me doing a bicep curl is primarily my bicep. But what about like from my wrist all the way to my elbow? Like 
don't you think those muscles have some sort of role doing this motion? Don't you think the muscles in my hand have some sort of role squeezing the dumbbell? Don't you think like the front of my shoulder right in here has some sort of role into doing this motion? Don't you think all the muscles back here, my rotator cuff have some sort of influence on that motion? Like people need to start thinking that we are one muscle working together to produce movement, right? That's huge. Huge, 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 huge to start thinking that way. So with the diaphragm, we need to reteach um, how to breathe. And I'm gonna show a couple exercises um, that I use in the clinic all the time and in like warm-ups with my clients. So we're gonna move this guy further down. I really hope that I get through everything today because I have a feeling that this is gonna take a little while. All right. Hopefully you can see me on the floor. So really simply, if I was laying down, I'm gonna have one hand on my belly, one hand on my chest. And this usually starts as an assessment. If I tell a patient, okay, I want you to take three deep breaths in for me. It usually looks like this. Like one, it sounds like a labored breath and I'm like, holy shit, that's how you breathe and you can literally see their shoulders and chest come up and then I'm like, okay, now the next couple breaths, I want your bottom hand where your belly is to only rise and nothing in this up, upper hand. And then they go, okay. And like, they can't even think how to get that to work. Like there's almost like a miscommunication between diaphragm and brain. And they're like, holy shit, why is this hard? And what you should see is this. So every time I take a deep breath in, I have this big, 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 big belly. And now what happens is when I start learning how to breathe through that diaphragm nice and slow, a lot of good things happen. Let me explain what we're doing. Number one, if you look at anatomy again, um, your vagus nerve that goes literally from your brain um, down straight through your diaphragm. When the diaphragm expands and contracts back and forth, it stimulates that vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is responsible for de-stressing your body naturally, right? So that's why in yoga, they're like, breathe. Now breathe some more. Now breathe even more, right? When we take the time to focus on utilizing our breath, the way it's designed to through our diaphragm, good things tend to happen. Now, think about my example again in yoga. When they the instructor tells you to breathe deeply, what happens when you're holding a pose or a stretch? You notice that you can get a little bit further. What is that? Like, what, why is that happening? So again, we are stimulating the vagus nerve through our breath, and we're telling our nervous system to chill the fuck out. Because when we don't practice that breath, our whole body goes into that kind of like gripping state. And we can't Relax. So your body goes, I'm going to put tension around certain muscle groups or whatever it is, your entire body 
to protect you from danger, right? And sometimes the way our bodies are designed sometimes do more damage than good, right? Like the intention is, you know, for the good for good reasons, but in this case, we're creating unnecessary tension or like that emergency break kind of response. So if I can tell my nervous system to chill the F out, now I have more movement opportunities or movement capacity or more workspace for my joints to move. So now that I'm stimulating my diaphragm with breathing, I can now loosen up some tension on maybe that insertion area of where my um, hip flexor is, right? So now my diaphragm is moving better. The surrounding ligaments and tendons and fascia don't have tension. So now that tension is now being relieved from that hip flexor a little bit and voila, my hip can move a little bit more freely. So breathing is like number one that I do with everybody. And I always start in that supine position, but we can do it in so many different ways. So another way where um, someone's having a little bit of trouble with um, uh, lying in the supine position, we also go prone. So I do this in my kin stretch class a lot, uh, a lot, where I am on my belly, and I just hit my door. That's all good. Um, hands across, my forehead goes onto my hands, and I'm breathing. Just simple breathing. And all you have to tell yourself or tell your client or whatever it is that every deep breath in, you want to push into the ground. So it's going to look like this. So you, I don't know if you guys can see, but every inhale that I had, um, my whole body almost came off the floor, right? So you wanna think of being able to lift yourself off the ground when it comes to breathing. And being in that position, in an extended position, is also gonna help indirectly with um, hip flexion capabilities. So if you think about it, when we sit all fucking day, our spine is in flexion. And a lot of low back people are flexion intolerant because of it. So now if I put your spine into extension, where we have an opportunity to let the discs kind of, not float back, but kind of go back to a more centrated position within the vertebrae, now we have less pressure of like a bulging disc pushing onto um, nerve endings, causing pain. And we're also, again, telling the nervous system to chill the F out, so then we have less tension in that low back and hip region, which again will allow you to move more freely and effectively with your hips, right? So it, it stems and kind of um, has a global effect on so many other things, right? We're talking about hip flexion, but hip flexion, if you improve it, other things will improve as well. Um, where was I gonna go with that? So breathing, <laughs> huge, 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 huge. The second thing that I'll do with um, working for hip flexion is attacking hip extension. The reason being is if I am in a seated position for 10 hours a day, all the surrounding uh, tissues that um, allow me to flex my hip are going to be tight and I need to get um, extension because those muscles are probably not being challenged at all. And one of my favorite ways is doing pails and rails. So again, if you never heard that term, 
pales and rails means progressive angular isometric loading. And then rails is the opposite where it's regressive angular isometric loading, meaning we're creating a isometric um, load into the surrounding tissues of the joint. So if I can influence force into these tissues, I can influence at a cellular level to allow the muscle cells to adapt to be more pliable or mold them to be more, um, I guess, smart in a sense, right? To give you more um, active range of motion that, you know, you create it actively and not passively. So I think I brought this up before on my um, show. And one of my favorite ways to get hip extension is going into almost like a runner stretch into this position. And I like to use a yoga block for my wrists here. So what we'll do in this position is hold it for two minutes. After the two minutes, we're going to do our pales contraction. The way we're going to do this is um, driving our heel towards our bum. And this kind of um, shifts the knee joint so it's a little bit flatter to the floor. If this hurts, you need to put some padding and things like that underneath. So in this position, the pales is going to be my knee driving down into the ground, but I'm trying to think of driving my knee forward, kind of like if I was going to like knee someone in the face. So I'm going to work the front of my hip capsule by doing hip flexion, right? I'm isometrically loading my hip flexors in this position. So I want to do that for 10 seconds. After the 10 seconds are done, you're going to notice that you'll be able to get further into hip extension. And then our rails is going to be thinking of taking this heel and driving it up towards the ceiling. And you want to literally think of lifting your knee off the ground. So to do that, I'm going to squeeze my ass as hard as possible to lift up towards the ceiling. So now I'm getting all my hip extenders um, challenged and I'm creating an isometric contraction on the opposite side of the hip. This is going to change a lot when it comes to tissue quality and tissue um, tension. Um, I use that a lot in my hip, um, kin stretch uh, workouts and classes I teach every week and it does wonders, just wonders. Cause like think about the amount of hours an average person, like I sit a lot cause I'm always working on my laptop and my hip flexors are fucking tight, <laughs> like tight. And, um, you know, doing hip extension stuff is indirectly going to influence getting more hip flexion. Because an example of that is, and I'm going to have to make this a little bit higher to show you the example. So if I was standing from a side view, if I'm trying to drive my knee up into hip flexion, you know, one of the issues is going to be having adequate, um, active range of motion through this hip, but it's also the opposite hip as well that's supporting me. Like if all of this stuff on this opposite side of the hip is tight too, then this hip is not going to be able to get into enough hip flexion. What's going to happen is as I drive up, this will happen. And now this compensation pattern of my low back going into more flexion to give me more hip flexion, and then this other leg that's the left knee is bent, I'll end up looking like this. Right, so attacking the other um, hip by doing that pails and rails for hip extension 
will help tremendously, right? So it's not just like just the one hip that we're focusing on. It's going to be two at the same time because it's like brother and sister, like they yin and yang, like they, they have to kind of work together simultaneously and not, um, you know, what's that called? There's a fly in my face. Um, you can't focus just on one. You need to focus on the other. And if one has more mobility than the other, then the other one is going to try to compensate with other weird patterns. So the other way to improve um, mobility in the hips when it comes to hip flexion is also strengthening up the hip flexors, right? So when hip flexors are tight, they're not going to have a lot of um, power to them, right? So one of the ways that I like to um, strengthen hip flexors, and I'm actually going to show two different ways, um, my band is actually like a band-resisted um, hip flexion, almost like a dead bug. And even those people who do dead bugs, they'll find a lot of times that you know, their hip will start clicking or they just feel it in their hip flexors. And it's like, we also need to strengthen up those tight hip flexors. Um, so an easy way to do that is, you know, mini band around the feet. And then from this position, I like to also take my hands and push them into the ground. And from here, I'm gonna kick my left leg out straight to work hip extension. And at the same time, I'm driving this knee up towards my face, holding it isometrically for about 10 seconds, come back, and then the same thing on the other side, holding, 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 holding for 10 seconds. So that is going to strengthen up those um, hip flexors quite a bit, and also kind of create this like active component of an isometric contraction, which again, um, will have more of a global effect, right? The more tension I can create, kind of like the pails and rails in an isometric contraction, the more I'm gonna influence at a tissue, at a tissue level and a cellular level. Um, and the other one that I really enjoy that people fucking hate in my class is a active range um, liftoff in hip extension and hip flexion. So how that's gonna work, um, you're gonna need a dowel. And again, uh, think of a little like foam pad and I'm going to be in a half kneel just to protect my knee. This tends to work uh, a little bit better when the dowel is on the same side of the leg that's working. So if you look from a side view, I'm in hip extension and I can work this hip, my hip flexor, um, by tilting and squeezing my bum and driving the toe into the ground. But that's kind of like a secondary um, focus because we're going to be focusing on this right leg, its ability to actively um, perform hip flexion. And this is kind of just like a bonus. And remember what I said earlier, like we need to focus on hip extension on the opposite side in order to have adequate hip flexion. So what I like to do here is as I tell people in my kin stretch class to drive this knee up as high as possible, they want to think of driving this opposite left hip forward in order to not cheat, and then this opposite hand into a fist and this dowel pushing into the ground. So when I tell people to lift, it's like lift this knee as high as fucking possible towards the ceiling without this happening. So I'm pushing my hip forward, I'm holding, I'm holding, I'm holding, and relaxing. So again, similar to the like dead bug 
um, banded thing that I did, it's kind of the same thing, but more so in an active way where, you know, it resembles what you would do something more athletic. Because if you think of like, say, sprinting, right, one hip complements the other in order to propulse, like, produce force going forward. Um, I don't know what I was trying to say, propulsion, propulsion, something like that. Anyway, driving up, back down, driving up, back down. And that's where like the magic's gonna kind of happen when it comes to creating a plan of exercises to improve hip flexion, right? I know this was like a heavy episode on like anatomy and everything like that, but if you're um, noticing that your lunges and squats don't feel right, there's most likely a high chance that you need more hip flexion and extension. And all these exercises that focus on hip extension are indirectly going to focus on extension at the same time. And I think this is where a lot of people don't focus enough time because they're doing like hip mobility exercises like hip cars or um, a glute stretch. And they're, they're like, yep, that's good, right? But that's similar to like if I only focused on bench press in the gym. Like there's gonna be an imbalance, and I put that in quotations, right? We need to focus on the opposite movement, right? Your hip can do flexion, extension, abduction, adduction, circumduction, like all those things. So we need to focus on all those different movement pathways. If we focus more on one than the other, then we're lacking, right? Remember, the hip is a complex um, joint, and we need to address it a little bit more directly. Um, so if you have any questions, because this was a a jam-packed episode of information, um, feel free to reach out. Um, if you have hip pain with any of these, highly recommend you go see a practitioner. Um, if you have a question specifically of one exercise, why it's better than the other, why didn't I use this exercise instead, like hit me up, let me know. Um, hit the show notes, watch this episode if you are listening, um, subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, we're at like 320 subscribers. That's freaking awesome. Let's get to 400. Share this YouTube channel. Um, I've been putting out so much new content. Uh, my book is almost ready. I'm just trying to figure out when I'm going to release it. It might not be summer. It might be uh, in the fall, but it really, really depends on a few things. Um, add me on Facebook. Add me on Instagram. You guys are amazing. Until next time.